Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, my fine friends. Welcome to the first episode of the fifth season of the Tom Petty Project podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Brown. This is the podcast that digs into the entire Tom Petty catalogue, song by song, album by album, and includes conversations with musicians, fans, and people connected with Tom along the way. Uh, Before we talk about today's episode, I just wanted to say thanks to everyone who voted on the Twitter polls uh, this past weekend. I think that's something I'll start doing regularly, and I know best-ofs and rankings, etc., are tough with a catalogue like Tom's, and especially with people's feelings about various albums and various songs. So I won't pit individual albums against one another, but I think I can probably find some uncontentious things to vote on. So the poll this past weekend was to find out what our favourite Heartbreakers or solo album cover is. After a preliminary round that pitted four groups of four covers against each other, the final four you voted for were the debut album, Hard Promises, Full Moon Fever, and Wildflowers. And those four covers took 22.9%, 14.9%, 29.2%, and 33.3% of the vote in that order, with Wildflowers coming out on top. And I won't lie, this one surprised me a little, as even though it's my favourite album cover, as well as my favourite album musically, I figured that you know, Full Moon Fever or maybe the debut might take on the top prize, especially after the preliminary round voting. It was also slightly surprising uh, that Into the Great Wide Open or Highway Companion didn't come through that initial voting stage, but it was an outcome that I didn't hate. Um, One other thing that I wanted to bring people up to speed on is that I finally got around to sorting out my website and coded it all weekend to get it as close to ready as I could, and I think I'll be releasing that on Friday. Um, It'll have all the transcripts and the episodes, links to things, you know, everything I've put online, um, as well as videos to the songs, um, and also um, a Petty Trivia game section, so it'll, you know, it'll pick 10 random questions from all the Petty Trivia questions that I've asked so far, so you can play that and test your knowledge and share that um, with your friends. Anyway, this week we begin digging into the fifth Heartbreakers record, Long After Dark. My co-host John Paulson and I will dig into the album as a whole during our episode wrap, but I thought I'd start this one off by saying that I don't think this album gets the love that it maybe deserves sometimes from the you know the wider fan base. And following on from Damn the Torpedoes and Hard Promises, it definitely has a lot to live up to. However, I also see plenty of people online saying that this is their very favourite album, so there's definitely some support out there for this record. The first song we're digging into is the lead track from the album, A One Story Town. If you're new to the podcast, first of all, I'm glad you found it and I really hope you enjoy it. Um, It's also worth noting that I don't play the song in the episode itself to avoid any copyright or legal issues. So if you want to listen to the song before we dig in, pause now, head to the YouTube link in the episode notes and check it out. Then come right back and we can begin. Are you sitting comfortably? Excellent. Well, let's dig into it. In Conversations with Tom Petty, Paul Zolo asks Tom whether L.A. is the one-story town, and Tom says that it it could be L.A. or it could be a small town. He also points out the play on words, saying, you could have a town that didn't get above one story, literally, or it only had one story. And that's something that stuck with me, you know, the very first time I listened to this song, and my immediate reaction was that Tom was talking about his hometown. Of course, the house he grew up in was all that sort of ranch-style bungalow that was low and, quote-unquote, close to the ground, as he sings in the chorus. But it's also obviously about a one-story town in the sense of a, a parochial place where not much happens. Everyone knows everyone else and everyone else's business, and there aren't any great prospects for a young person. So, as we've started with the words, let's flip my usual format and continue talking about the lyrics. And structurally... Very simple song, with two verse-chorus sections, a short solo in the middle, um, and then one more chorus at the end. 
And this is where I've talked about before Tom being the undisputed king of economy when it comes to songwriting. Yeah, the one story, as in the building kite, isn't really a focal point in the song, but it gets mentioned in that one line in the chorus where everything's close to the ground. But even that can be considered metaphorically in a sense of meaning very down-home and unadventurous. The two verses really set up the conflict of ambition versus opportunity very well. The lines, yeah, I'm for moving on, try another town, time ain't changing nothing, take a look around, speak to the restlessness many young people feel in small towns that don't have much going for them, whether that be jobs, entertainment, or lifestyle. And, you know, this is reinforced in the verse, yeah, the same shit goes down, nothing turns around, it's a one-story town. The second verse seems to undercut this desire to get away, though, even though his love interest, presumably, though it could be a mother figure, if you you know, it could be a parent uh, who can't take it anymore, perhaps, and has left, but he seems reluctant to follow. No, it didn't hurt me when she had to leave. She had a faraway feeling wasn't part of me. So there's possibly a sense that though he wants to leave, maybe the familiarity is also holding him fast and keeping him in this place. You know, that faraway feeling wasn't part of me is a really intriguing line that leaves plenty open to the imagination and to interpretation. Either way, the lyrics are otherwise really direct and really set a a sort of forlorn tone to the proceedings. To set a complementary melodic tone in the verses, the chord pattern is all fifths. So this means that the chords aren't really major or minor as there's no third note or flattened third note. So if you think, if you, you know, if you think about da, 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 that's your one, three, five, the middle da, da is missing. That third note is avoided and the second, fourth and sixth notes are used for suspension and the seventh note's actually part of the bass line which sets the main groove of the song. The song switches from that F, E, F, E, B, all fifths, uh, to that bright major D chord in the chorus which releases all that tension. We've talked about the build and release of tension in a song a few times in the podcast so far and this is another superb example of how good Tom was at doing it. A very simple chord progression, not relying on a huge riff or an atmospheric minor key but leaning into those fifths before resolving to the major root. It's a wonderfully simple songwriting trick but when it's done well, it's incredibly effective. Stan Lynch sits on a really tight backbeat groove in this track. And if you don't know what a backbeat is, even if you've heard the expression before, it's way simpler than you might think. It basically means that you're playing the kick on the one and three counts in the bar and the snare on the two and four. So if you listen to what I mean, so the kick would be one, two, three, four. So we sit in the one, two, three, four. So it's the one and three, and the snare would be one, two, three, four. So you're getting that one, two, three, four with the kick, snare, kick, snare. So that's back, that's what backbeat is. And that's the basis for pretty much all rock and roll. And it's been around since the 30s or so, 20s, 30s, when swing and stride and boogie-woogie started to come to prominence and people wanted to dance. It's way easier to dance to a 4-4 backbeat than, say, a waltz or a salsa beat. So Stan leads us in with a short trademark fill and leads right into that backbeat. He's also adding that crash cymbal to the first beat of every bar, except a few times when Tommy's singing in the verses. You can also hear a tambourine keeping double time throughout, and I'm not 100% sure what Stan's doing on the hats, as that tambourine, you know, it's pretty persistent and it's mixed quite high, but it definitely sounds like he's sitting on those quarter notes, or just one, two, three, four on the hats, to give the tambourine a little bit more sonic space. And again, I think that, you know, Jimmy Iovine's producing, and he likes to have that separation of sound in a song, so that's my guess is, is what's going on there. One of the predominant melodic parts of this song, probably the focal point actually, is new heartbreaker Howie Epstein's bass line. Howie, of course, replaced the outgoing Ron Blair for Long After Dark and wasted no time in stamping his style onto the band's sound. 
in the vocal sections of the verses, how he's keeping double time on the root notes and then matching the guitar riff in the non-vocal sections, which is the same progression as the intro riff in, the, in those non-vocal sections. Um, that gives both parts of the verse movement and substance in that Tom's vocal delivery provides the melody and then yields it to the bass and guitar. The guitars in this one act mainly as sonic padding. There's that simple yet tasty intro lick repeated in the space between the vocals and the verses, and these are accompanied by the, the shimmering open chords that are being played by Tom. And I wondered initially if Tom was playing his Rickenbacker to get that big full sound on those chords, but on the live video you can see online, he's playing what looks like a, just a Fender Strat with Mike on a Gibson Les Paul, maybe even a gold top. Of course, this just could have been the instruments they use live versus in the studio, but it's such a gloriously bright tone that it reminds me a little of something like Listen to Her Heart. But again, that ability to recognize when the guitars need to lead and when they need to sit in the pocket is really important in this song. Other than a really subdued solo, the guitars are keeping things moving without leading. Yes, you have that great little eight-note lick that Mike is playing, but with how he's matching and stand-pounding that 4-4 beat out, you don't really need a whole bunch of complicated noodling or riffing. Again, it exemplifies to me how extraordinary Tom was when it comes to arranging songs. I know that the rest of the band and Jimmy Iovine would also have had input into that, but Tom would also have had the, the most say, and this is a song he would likely have brought into the studio pretty well fully cooked by the time it came to recording. The other really cool little bit of guitar that I completely missed until I listened to this song over and over in the headphones as part of my research for this episode comes in. It's almost dead on the 106 mark. So when you listen to this, go back to 106 in the song and listen as the song transitions from the chorus back to the verse. There's a crunchy little multi-string bend that's thrown in and it's half repeated about the 120 mark leading into the second half of the second verse. Just a super cool little detail that you can miss if you're not really paying attention. Alrighty, it's time for some petty trivia. Um, I already gave you the answer to the last trivia question that John Paulson posed to me on our album rap episode. It's kind of cool that Lenny Kravitz dubbed drums and bass and added additional vocals too um, to You Come Through, but as came up online, I'd be really interested to learn whether or not an original version of that song has ever been mixed without those additions. Either way, it's a fantastic tune, and it really surprises me actually that it didn't make Let Me Up I've Had Enough. Uh, once we get to that album, we'll be talking a lot about several tracks that didn't make the cut and what the album might have sounded like if they did. Your question for this week is this. As noted earlier, One Story Town is the shortest track on this album, but which is the shortest opening track on any Heartbreakers or Tom Petty solo record? <laughs> Okay, back to the song. Paul Zolo says to Tom in conversations with Tom Petty, it has a cool bass line in it, which anchors the whole track. To which Tom replies, yeah, I remember liking that when we did it a lot. Nice organ too. He's talking here about Benmont's keyboard rather than how he's... Um, instrument. I kid, I kid, I kid. Um, <laughs> this song isn't quite a Phil Spector wall of sound, but it gets close in the choruses and in those non-vocal breaks in the verse. He's sitting in the, the high octave range for those parts and padding out the sound beautifully. You know, you have, you have the straight back beat, the melodic bass and guitar twin lead lick, then the tambourine filling out the rhythm, and finally that organ sound with plenty of tremolo giving it all a really big feel, really big roomy full feel. One Story Time was the opener for most dates on the Long After Dark tour in 1982 and 83, and after that it was actually never cycled back into the live rotation, which is 
you know, as with quite a few songs, a little surprising given it's a upbeat tempo and it's arena rock appeal. There is a live version online from the US Festival in San Bernardino in 82 in which you can really hear how he's great bass line. They also dropped the instrumentation back a little more on the line. Yeah, the same shit goes down, nothing turns around. And the quality, the video quality isn't amazing, but I'll throw a link to that performance into the episode notes for you. It's a really great vocal performance too from Tom. Um, Mike and Stan throw in some extra sauce and Ben Mon gets really groovy on the piano in the outro. Also features a great little drum break where you see the percussionist playing alongside Stan. And I'm not sure who that is playing cowbell, but Phil Jones again added percussion on the album, but the video quality isn't good enough and I can't tell... I can't tell if it's him, so I'll look into that. I'll see if I can find out, and I'll, I'll post that if I do If I do discover who was the uh, percussionist on the Long After Dark tour. Okay, folks, that's all for this week. Uh, a One Story Town is the shortest song on the album, clocking in at a breathless three minutes, six seconds. It's a brilliantly concise and beautifully constructed pop rock song. It comes in hard, keeps up the momentum, and then crashes out into the fade without ever really letting up. And in this regard, it's reminiscent of King's Road or What Are You Doing In My Life from the, from the two previous albums. It's a perfect set opener and a great example of Tom writing something he knows people will respond to. The only real surprise, I think, is that this wasn't released as a single. For me, this track is really solid, nothing spectacular, but every part is played perfectly to serve the song. It's mixed beautifully, and it's just a great way to start the Heartbreakers' follow-up to our promises. A One Story gets my strong vote, and I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10 to kick off Season 5 of the podcast. Please remember that you can continue to support humanitarian efforts in the Ukraine in many different ways. And as always, I would urge you to do so if you have the means and please continue to do so if you do have the means. As always, I've added a link to the Red Cross donation page in the episode notes and I'll continue to do that until this crisis is over. Uh, the Tom Petty Project is a proud member of the Deep Dive Podcast Network. And if you like nerding out over your favorite bands, go check them out on Twitter at deepdivepodnet and see if there's a podcast dedicated to your favorite artist. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook and Instagram at The Tom Petty Project and on Twitter at Tom Petty Project. And of course, you can always find me on YouTube. So go follow, like, subscribe as applicable. And again, please leave a review or a rating if you haven't done already. And thank you so much to the people who have done that already. Um, it, it means the world to me that you, you give me that feedback. And only five stars so far, so that's a good thing, right? The Tom Petty Project is not affiliated with the Tom Petty Estate in any way. And when you're looking for Tom's music, please visit the official YouTube channel first to try to find what you're looking for and go to tompetty.com for official merchandise. Also, don't forget to check out the Tom Petty Nation and Tom Petty Fans Forever groups on Facebook if you're not already a member of those because they're excellent fan communities and they are well worth hanging out in and spending your time in. Until we meet again next week, keep listening to and sharing Tom's music. Try to be kind. Try to say I love you to someone at least once a day. Stay safe and healthy, and I'll be back with you next week to dig into the lead single from Long After Dark, the atmospheric, synth-driven You Got Lucky. Bye-bye. <laughs>